Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight for us to come to you again on this Wednesday, August the 5th of 2020. We have already exceeded past halfway through the year. Uh, never did we think that we would be in this time, in, in such a time like this. Uh, I remember in um, as we were going into this year of 2020, <laughs> so many things have changed. Uh, uh, as the world as we know it is is not the same. And, and the Lord has allowed us to come to you since uh, March of this year. And, and in reality, just since that time, we have not stopped, stopped coming to you almost on a daily basis with the exception of, of weekends. And even some weekends, we, <laughs> we've had podcasts, you know, for the sake of, of the listener, for the sake of you to bring you the word of God. And so we've been we we have been in a in an incredible journey uh, in the Word of God, and I believe and I'm really thankful that the God has taken us to depths of the Word uh, about things that perhaps we never had considered in the Word of God that now have become monumental and have become very clear to us or are becoming clear to us as we go on. So as always, we are grateful that you could join us today, wherever you're at. We we appreciate our listeners. We appreciate those that are coming in and, and spending time with us in the Word of God. For as we always say, it, for such a time like this, if there was ever a time, this is the time that we come together in fellowship of the Word of God. So today, as we get ready to start our Bibles, our, our study, it's always a pleasure to be here with our channel, Brother Marty, Brother Fernando, to be able to study the Word of God together. So, Brother Marty, I believe we have something fresh today. There's a fresh manner today, and so I'll leave it to you to share what God has placed in your heart as we study the Word of God together. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Well, as we've been discussing, <laughs> as we've been discussing over the last uh, 14 podcasts I think we did we, we it's almost 20 wow. hours <clears throat> almost 20 hours of yeah of teaching on John wow. 20 and, and 21 and we came yesterday to the to the shore <laughs> where uh where I, I encourage everyone that's uh joining us to to go back and listen to the last couple especially um and take your time and and and, and go through the scriptures and see uh, the marvelous things that, <clears throat> that 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 the Lord revealed by His Spirit to to the great apostle to us, and the many um, incredible types and shadows and allegories and metaphors and whatever descriptive word you want to use that that are hidden beneath the the the, uh, the plain reading of the text. Uh, it, it's quite amazing how He wrote and and how uh, how beautiful uh, He lays out uh, the things that we've been discussing. <clears throat> and so now uh, we finished up yesterday uh, 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 where Jesus calls the disciples to come and dine as they came off the sea. And uh, we're going to uh, take a little side note here today uh, because we have the balance of the 21st chapter of John to go through yet. And I think we'll be able to do that and complete that on uh, Thursday and Friday. Tomorrow, just for those of you that have been listening, I encourage you to go back and, and restudy uh, the three times that, that that Jesus appeared to his disciples after the resurrection. And you'll see all three of them there in the 20th chapter. Uh, 
uh, and 21st chapter of John. And we're going to, to talk about those three uh, appearances of the resurrected Lord and, and just how profoundly uh, impactful those appearances were and 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 some either and some and some including some even deeper uh insights into each and every one of those appearances jesus appeared three separate times to his leadership and with each appearance after his resurrection we're going to see uh some amazing correlation uh between what he did and 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 the prophetic scriptures themselves and how they apply to our time as well That'll be exciting. And then we'll conclude the 21st chapter of John on uh, Friday, Lord willing, where we will go through uh, the balance of the chapter. There's still some things to to look at there. Uh, After they dined, uh, Jesus uh, confronts Peter and and asks him three times, uh, do you love me? (laughs) Do you really love me? Do you love me? So he asked Peter three times and there's, there's reasons for that which we'll explore, and then he reveals to Peter his his death, and uh, and then John concludes his uh, his gospel, and we're going to look at those things and and see what it is that God is telling us. But this morning, uh, as I was seeking the Lord in prayer, and, and uh, the Holy Spirit over the last couple of days has been has been uh, speaking to my heart about what we're going to look at today, and it's it's just the thought for today. And uh, and there's some very uh, interesting things that we're going to look at and discuss. And and we're going to be coming to you this morning uh, out of Matthew 24. So in a sense, it's really not uh, uh, different than what we've been talking about. It's just from a different perspective of the scripture. We're still in the prophetic scriptures. We're still looking at end-time events. And so this morning, we want to talk about, about these things. And so I'm going to have Brother Jeremy begin... Uh, begin our study today by reading to us, if you would, Brother Jeremy, the uh, 10th through the 14th verse of the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 24, verse 10 through 14, and we will see what we can dig out of there this day, as as the Lord has given it to us, we pray. And so get your Bibles and, and follow along. I think we'll uh, we'll have a really interesting discussion this morning, as the Lord allows, in Jesus' name. Brother Jeremy? Amen. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Wow, praise the Lord. So we're going to begin to describe and and look at the things that Jesus was revealing here. And those of you who have been with us, uh, we've we've been in in Matthew 24 before uh, when we were discussing the, uh, the five wise and the five foolish virgins. And what, before we get to these scriptures here, uh, we're going to actually go to the beginning of the chapter. And and I want Brother Jeremy, would you please read us again, uh, Matthew 24, 1 through 4, and, uh, and, and then we'll start discussing these things. Amen. And Jesus went out 
and departed from the temple. And his disciples came to him for to show him the building of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. Praise God. So <clears throat> what he says there in the fourth verse is very interesting because uh, as Brother Jeremy started out reading verse 10 through 14, um, and, and then we went back to here so we could give some context of what we're going to talk about today. <clears throat> we want to bring this up to current events. Uh, we've been talking about overall uh, study of end time things, but you know we've entered into some very, very incredible days. As we all know, we're all uh, you know experiencing a completely different world uh, than we've known, uh, at least in my lifetime. And uh, the entire world is is, uh, is 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 in is in a chaotic state. Uh, those of you paying attention to the news, we were just discussing this before we began our broadcast today. Uh, there was that massive explosion that occurred uh, in in Beirut, Lebanon, yesterday, and, and rumors are abounding as to the the source of it. Uh, but to see the devastation and and the chaos and the and the the destruction that occurred, um, to see the people, you know, uh, hurt and wandering around. Um, it's just a horrible thing, but it's, again, it's just it's just another crazy event uh, that we've been witnessing in in our time, right? And right. and so it it made me really think about you know what the Lord uh, did here um, because he one of the things. Let's turn over to we're going to talk about this in a minute. Let's turn over to uh, to Second Peter and look at why we look at these things some people you know uh they they have a hard time even exploring these issues because it, it makes them afraid but right. that is not the reason that we do what we do right i mean we've been commanded uh, to do this we've been instructed to do this from the very beginning especially the generation that would begin to see these things uh happen and uh Brother Jeremy, could you uh, uh, read to us uh, chapter 3, 2 Peter chapter 3, um, verse 1 and 2? Yes. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets, and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. That's incredible. Uh, so, so he tells us there, and this is why we go into these things, is that is that he wants us to be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and the commandments of the apostles. And, and then he connects it uh, to verse 3 and 4, which sounds very much like the time that we're living in. But his instruction is is to is to spend time in the prophets, and and especially, uh, he says, because of what was coming, 
which is what we believe is our day now, which is verse 3 and 4. Can you read that, Brother Jeremy, verse 3 and 4? Yes. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lust, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. So he's he's referencing a time period uh, called the last days, which which in in essence really began uh, as as Paul wrote in the book of Hebrews when, at the appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been up under the last days since then, and but then he's actually referencing as he goes on in the rest of the chapter, uh, the end of time. And he begins to link it to the days of Noah and so forth and so on. But his admonition and his instruction to us was that when these kinds of days begin to happen, uh, and when there's scoffers and when people are questioning the very existence of God or, or the promise of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, Peter says, listen, it's at those moments above all moments that you need to now go to the Holy Prophet." And begin to anchor your understanding of the times based on what has been revealed, not only by the holy prophets of old, but also us, his apostles, and the commandments that we gave. What is going to be paramount and vital to our safety and the safety of our families at this time, and we're not trying to be melodramatic, but if you, if you don't think what we're witnessing right now around the world isn't melodramatic, I don't know where you've been. Because this is horrible what's happening. It really is. And and it's come to rest on our shores here in the United States, right? I mean, I looked at a video compilation last night of just the last uh, probably eight weeks or so of what's actually taking place. It, most of it was footage that was recorded by uh, various people on their iPhones or iPads or even their handheld video cameras in the multiple uh, protests and, and riots and looting and burning that's been taking place around the nation in the various cities. There was no commentary to it. It was just one video after another after another. And I sat there absolutely stunned watching uh, this street-level view, raw footage, unedited, um, uh, last night. And, and it really shook me because it was just film footage from, from America, from Portland to, to, uh, to, to Washington, D.C., to to Miami, to Houston, to L.A., and Seattle, and all in Chicago, you know, Houston. It was incredible to see um, the, the viciousness, the violence, um, the same kind of climate that's come to rest on, on, on what once used to be, um, you know, a, 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 a very peaceful and blessed nation. Now we see them uh, burning our buildings. Uh, you know, cutting the heads off of statues of Jesus and Mary, burning churches, uh, violently attacking anyone who tries to to stand up for, you know, for what's right. Um, a whole shift has taken place. And, and they do it in, in the sense of, of there's no fear of God before their eyes, as if they, they are, they're going to be held unaccountable for this unbridled, uh, you know, violence and lawlessness that we're witnessing. And Peter says, understand, you're going to have to go to the Holy Apostles' uh, commandments and, and, uh, and the Holy Prophet's writings in order to, to navigate yourself during these times. 
there seems to be a pervading attitude within the establishment church system within this country, especially in the hyper-charismatic, charismatic Pentecostal movements who pretty much, by and large, dominate the airwaves, you know, on a national and international basis. There seems to be this pervading attitude that, that, that everything's going to turn around, that we're going to have, everything's going to be happy days or here again. And that, that the climate that we find ourselves in right now is just simply a, a minor speed bump on the way to this great awakening and revival that's coming. But we'll get into that in a little bit. But in a way, that's a scoffing. In a way, that's unrecognizing what is actually taking place. And it works to the detriment of many people who claim to be people of faith. And the reason that we've been pressing and bearing down on these things over the last several months really now is because if you consider what Brother Jeremy was just saying when we began the podcast, God moved on our hearts back in March, early March, to to begin these podcasts. And we really were just wanting a forum where we could just kind of discuss these issues. And and it's turned into, (laughs) what is it, March, April, May, June, July, and now we're into August, almost six months of coming to you every single day. Uh, with depth of the Word of God, by the grace of God, prayerfully and humbly we say such things, that are beginning to open up an understanding uh, to us all that we are we are actually beginning to witness what it is the Lord began to reveal to his disciples in Matthew 24 from the Mount of Olives. And uh, any thoughts, brothers, as we go forward? Let's get into it. Yeah, let's get into it. So here we are. So let's go over to Matthew 24 again, based on what Peter said, right? We're we're looking uh, for the writings. We're looking for 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 what what it is that's being revealed. Uh, Yeah, I just wanted to you know just point out again the scripture that we just read in Second Peter, what Peter tells us when he speaks to the beloved. He says, I write to you in both, which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, you know, and and yeah. that's that's a principle in the word of God. That that's what Moses would instruct the people, never forget, right? Remember, look, always yeah. look back, always, that's and that's what prophecy is. And you've said it, Brother Fernando has said it, prophecy, it's not just looking uh, to the future, uh, Prophecy is a continuous cycle. What happened will happen again, will take place right. again. And, and, and I believe that that's what, part of what Peter is doing, is to stir up our pure minds by way of remembering. And then what you said, Brother Marty, and what the scriptures, what we read, by mindful the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets, you know, and of the commandments of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, and that's why we're continually going back. What did they say? What did Jesus say? What did the apostles say? What did, uh, you know, the prophets say? Because prophecy, that's what it is, is a cycle. What's, what happened shall happen again and again, all pointing to this final frontier where we're heading of the culmination of all things. So I just wanted to, yeah. to uh, say that, Brother Marty. No, that's really good, and, and that's precisely you know uh, exactly what we've been instructed to do, and so let's just set the scene here, right? I mean, Jesus is is nearing the end of his his earthly ministry. He's only a few hours really away from from his uh, his last supper, as they call it, then his trial, 
well, actually his Garden of Gethsemane experience, which is key uh, to our understanding of, of prophetic events and, 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 and the types and shadows that are revealed there. What most people, or well, I shouldn't even say it that way, but what people don't really at times come to understand is that the Lord forged a path for us himself. Yes. Yes. And, and and the road that he walked is the road that he revealed to us that we ourselves would have to walk. He used phrases as, uh, he that would come after me, let him take up his cross, right, and follow me. You know, the, these kinds of, this is basic Christianity that has been, you know, by and large erased from the public square. And it's been given to uh, a system now where religion has become a professional exercise, where the uh, dissemination of of of, uh, of religious thought has given way to philosophical, uh, you know, meanderings of 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 the uh, of the unconsecrated uh, preachers that we see in our day, and and they've actually filled massive arenas with people that have absolutely no idea that the Christianity that they think they're involved in is really simply a product of, of marketing and systematized uh, corralling of bodies and mm. seats uh, in order to enrich themselves, um, you know, with, with sustainable business-like models uh, that, they, that, they, that they put one label over the whole thing, they call it church. It's the same kind of thing that we see just before the Lord uh, was was persecuted by the system of his day. See, what he goes on to reveal here is is the very system itself will turn on his people, and and that and that what is going to emerge is is that system uh, that is sanctioned by the state or by a global. Uh, state, which is what we're already beginning to see within our own nation in, in the recent laws that have been passed under the guise of the pandemic, right? They've been, they've been right. sheltering and closing the churches. They're going to open them again because we know there are many events that are yet to come, but the events that are yet to come will come in, in incre increasingly uh, rapid succession. But if you're going to function in the public square going forward, in the not too many distant days and weeks ahead of us, it's going to be up under laws that were passed while we were up under this 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 shutdown that we're under. There were laws yes. that were passed just recently, like a week ago, I think it was, by the Supreme Court, which we talked about, where they where they literally passed uh, or, or ruled at the federal level uh, that that the state level has the right to sanction how it is that we meet as the church of Jesus Christ. And 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 that might go by the wayside for most people, but the implications of that kind of thing uh are are staggering because we have now in this uh progressive liberal mindset age that that always touts the separation between church and state, we've actually seen the the, the reverse take place here. The state is now going to sanction religion, but it's going to be up under their rules. And 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 they're using this this whole global epidemic uh, for a pretext to implement a, a framework of global connectivity and 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 global domination, which is the spirit of the Antichrist, uh, which they've been working on 
for years, for decades. And what we are witnessing right now is the evolution of it coming to rest and now flourish in our times. And it's very interesting because when Jesus removed himself from the establishment, he he came to the Mount of Olives, right? And and that's where he, he sits. And his disciples come to him and he opens up to them and begins to reveal to them that the destruction of the entire system that they've known is about to occur. In other words, he says, not one stone will be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. And then in verse 3, uh, his disciples come and, and privately, and they, and they ask him these questions. Now, why that's significant is, is because what he's about to unveil, like we've talked about before, is the balance of history uh, from his time all the way through ours. But but at the same time, it's a repetitive history, like you were talking about, Brother Jeremy. It's a cycle of history, uh, but it will culminate uh, with the return of the Lord. And so we can see hints of it and shadows of it in the historical unfolding of church history from the beginning until up until now. We've seen, we've seen uh, you know, uh, pictures of it emerge. Uh, but there's a larger truth that's revealed in the scripture that will will flourish, you know, that will like bear fruit when the actual judgment and and so forth and so forth uh, comes comes upon the planet. So let's take a look at this because he begins by leaving the temple, and then he begins to unfold uh, prophetic insight to all of us and begins to tell us what to look for. And in verse three, it says that the disciples came to him privately. So what that begins to tell us to begin with is that the information <clears throat> that's being unfolded and revealed here, it's not something that was to be trumpeted for the whole nation to hear. It's his disciples, mm. right? His mm. disciples that had the privilege to to have their questions answered and the guidance given as to what actually was going to transpire leading all the way up to the return of the Lord. And in many ways, if you can receive it, that is exactly what's beginning to take place now and really has subsequently throughout all generations uh, who understood the times that they lived in. Every generation has experienced uh, prophetic overtones, if you will, but there is a fellowship that exists between the first generation and the final generation that can be revealed in scripture as you take it out. But what's, what's important here is to understand the spiritual principle of what we see here. And that's that he has a private meeting with his disciples, his disciplined ones. That's why when you, Brother Fernando, you were talking about this the other day, you know, with everything that's going on, when you go to the public square, where the national ministries are or even the bigger pastoral you know churches in our communities or whatever um, even though they're not meeting now but even leading up to now you you search for for uh insight from the men and women of god that are supposed to be guiding the church as to what actually is taking place in our time and what do you find nothing <laughs> right? right i mean <laughs> I think you mentioned the other day, you know, all you hear is 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 political. You know, it it, it in right. in this country, it's a political mindset, right? 
but here it's we so have bizarre. Something... It's so it's it's just so bizarre, right? How yeah. at this critical time and juncture in uh, end time, you know, prophecy. I mean, again, it was what two years ago that Jerusalem became the capital of Israel in in over two thousand years, right? Yeah. From two thousand years. I mean, come on now. That that's a sign of the end time. But when you listen to their messages, it doesn't line up. They're not talking about these things. Yes, right? yes. Right. And and so right. that's the premise right. we're putting forth here. As, the, as I think what we're seeing in Matthew 24, as he begins to get into it, he it, it, we're, it it's emphasized that it's a private meeting. You know, and, and it's, it's really cool, too, because where he decided to have the meeting, right, is on the Mount of Olives. That's the place where the the anointing oil was ex- extracted specifically for use in, in the in the worship of God, the lighting of the lamps, so forth and so on, the anointing of the priests. It's all very symbolic that 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 the two go hand in hand. The Lord, the baptizer and the Holy Spirit is sitting on the Mount of Olives where they get the anointing oil. And so that kind of lets us know, you know, because Jesus doesn't do anything by accident or, or just by happenstance. That this private meeting is is all about the presence of God, and that the Spirit of God, and the symbolism of it by being in the place where the olive oil is extracted, it it, it can't go without notice. We have to understand that what transpires is always a revelation of the Spirit, because the testimony of Jesus is what the Spirit of prophecy, and so that's what we begin to see, and 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 without you know going through this too quickly, the disciples come to him privately. That is that is something that is very interesting because it lets us know. And we need to also know this, right? I mean, we're we're kind of crazy, right? Because we're putting all this out on podcasts on the World Wide Web. But, but, uh, right. but that doesn't mean... Right. But that doesn't mean that 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 that's those that might be a casual listener would actually understand what we're talking about, right? So anyway, so uh, one thing I want to show you here is that the first thing that Jesus begins to reveal, which is so profound when you consider the depth of the of the Lord's understanding, because what he got, he got from the scriptures themselves. He said, I never do anything or say anything that I haven't seen my father do or seen my father say. I only say what my father says. Well, how did he find that? Many people think it's like he went and plugged into God every day, which he did. But I mean, it's like he got fresh word that he was just, you know, pumping out to us. But that's not how it happened. Everything that Jesus spoke was in the scripture. And this is a case in point. Verse 1 and 2, right? Jesus goes out, departs from the temple. His disciples come to him to show him the buildings of the temple. And then he says this, do you not see all these things? I tell you the truth. Verse 2, there will not be here left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. So what he's predicting there is the destruction of the temple, which actually took place in 70 AD. But where did he get that information from? He got it from the scripture. And 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 he knew that they were only a, a matter of a, 40 years away from this event taking place. But he got it from the scripture, and I'll show you that in Isaiah 64. Uh, he's actually referencing Isaiah 64. There, it's quite amazing. Are you? Uh, and then and well, let's look at this real quick because I'm going to show you something really cool here. This is Matthew 24:2 that Jesus is revealing. Isaiah 64 is about to come to pass. Are you there, Brother Jeremy? 
Yes. Can you read that to us uh, in verse 10 and, uh, and 11? Yes. The holy cities are a wilderness. Zion is a wilderness. Jerusalem is a desolation. Our holy and our beautiful house, where our fathers praised thee, is burned up with fire, and all our pleasant things are laid waste. See, that's what Jesus was referencing there. He understood the prophetic times, and he understood that the word of his father was about to come to pass. And and, and Isaiah had that inspiration of the father given, and Isaiah speaks this. And that's exactly what would happen in 70 AD, 40 years after Jesus um, reveals that it's coming. Uh, it would happen. The actual temple would be burned to the ground. That's what happened. And and the cities became desolate. And the way it's written there is our beautiful house where our fathers praised thee is burned up with fire. That's what happened. And Jesus is revealing this, right? We're not too far away from this, right? And what's interesting is right after that, Isaiah transitions and seems to be then showing how the attention of the Lord would be turned to the Gentile church. Read verse 12 and then go into 65.1, would you, of Isaiah? Yes. Sorry about that. Here we go. I had turned back. Here I am. I'm back again. It's all right. <clears throat> so verse 12, and then you said verse 1 of 65. Yes. Will thou refrain thyself for these things, O Lord? Will thou hold thy peace and afflict us very sore? I am sought of them that asked not for me. I am found of them that sought me not. I said, behold me, behold me unto a nation that was not called by my name. That's incredible. Because that's what he's prophesying about the church of Jesus Christ right there. And he, and he connects it to the burning down of the temple. And then suddenly he speaks of a people, of a nation. We're that royal nation, right? We're that holy priesthood, that holy nation that he's referring to. He even talked about that in John, right? When he told the Pharisees, I'm going to take away from you, uh, you know, the blessing that should have been for you and give it to a nation that will bring forth the fruits thereof. He was referring to the church. And so when Jesus is sitting on the Mount of Olives, he's entered into the spirit of prophecy there, which moves through Isaiah. And this is what he's revealing to his apostles they, they didn't even realize it they didn't even know that he was he was quoting isaiah to them but he was and and this is so profound because to me i've been using that word a lot because everything i'm finding lately is so profound in the scriptures but it it, it is it's very profound man it's, it's i don't know what other words to say so deep is the word of god and so that's why we call him master He's the master, right? You know, and, and, and he's he's revealing the destruction of the temple as he's sitting on the Mount of Olives. He knew the timing by the Spirit. And and then and then they begin to ask him, well, when is this going to happen, right? And uh, and then he begins to, to unfold to them. Uh, I don't know where we should go from here because there's so, many, there's so much more uh, that, that we have that we could look at. The fact that he's on the Mount of Olives. Uh, we've talked a little bit about that, but also, uh, if you study, I shouldn't even go there, but I'm just going to throw it out there and let you guys who are listening go go do this on your own time. When Ezekiel the prophet had been taken captive into Babylon, 
And when he has this tremendous appearance from God himself, he, he describes it, and you can read it in Ezekiel, uh, how God came out of the north and he appears to Ezekiel uh, of the wheel in the middle of the wheel, so forth and so on. God then takes him by a lock of his hair. I, I believe it's like somewhere in, in Ezekiel 8, 9, 10 in there. And, and, and takes him over to Jerusalem, where the final generation before the Babylonian captivity would be in full and Solomon's temple would be destroyed. And he allows him to see uh, what's actually happening in the elite uh, ruling class and amongst the Sanhedrin, amongst the, the priesthood. And, and what God begins to then show him is how his presence which was uh, in the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant was, begins to to leave the temple. It starts <laughs> it starts by coming to the Holy of Holies, and then when you read in there, you'll see that all kinds of angels are coming, clearing the way. He goes from the Holy of Holies, he goes into the Holy Place, he goes to the outer court, and then when and then it comes the day when he finally leaves the temple, he goes right to the top of the Mount of Olives his presence, his spirit. Let's take a look at that in Ezekiel, because that's what Jesus is doing here. He's leaving and withdrawing his presence from Israel again. The pattern is repeating itself. In the Babylonian time, he did it, and in the destruction of Herod's temple, he did it. Are you in Ezekiel chapter 11? Yes. Uh, would you read to us uh, and, and see uh, verse 22 and 23? Twenty-two and twenty-three. <clears throat> then did the cherubims lift up their wings, and the wheels beside them, and the glory of, of the God of Israel was over them above, and the glory of the Lord went up from the midst of the city, and stood upon the mountain, which is on the east side of the city. Yes. So this, what you just read there, is the final act of God removing his presence uh, from the Israel that then was, and from the temple, and where it finally came to rest was on the Mount of Olives, and then it would leave there. <laughs> it would go up into heaven, and, and, and the same thing is happening here. Jesus is replaying. He has the spirit without measure. Right? He's replaying the systematic removal of God's presence from the nation of Israel. And he's come to sit on the Mount of Olives. He's replaying what happened in the days of Ezekiel and what Ezekiel saw. Remember, when the Lord rose from the dead, where did he leave from? And went back to heaven. Where did he, where, where did he leave from? Do you remember? That's right. Yeah, check this out in, in Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, verse 12, I think it is. I haven't looked at these scriptures in a while. But it's exciting to see just how deep this goes, yeah. right? I mean, this is this is amazing what's happening, and and yes, yeah. So, um, yeah. Why don't we say? Why don't Why don't you start? Uh, verse read verse nine through twelve. Verse nine through twelve and <clears throat> nine through twelve, right, brother Marty? Yes, sir. Okay. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld. He was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven as he went up, 
Behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem a Sabbath day's journey. Interesting, right? So what we see in Ezekiel, what we just quoted, is that when God removed his presence from the temple, he He came and brought it finally to the Mount of Olives. And that's exactly what happened in Jesus' day. Can you go back to Matthew 24, Brother Jeremy? Yes. What we see happen just before Matthew 24 begins, just before he goes to the Mount of Olives, is he leaves the temple just like he did in Ezekiel's uh, day. He left the temple. Now, for those of you who aren't students of Bible history, understand that there was two major temples. The first temple was built by King Solomon. Uh, the plans, the architectural plans given to him by his father, King David, by the spirit of the Lord who gave them to him. And that that temple became so desecrated that God had to destroy it. And he did. And and that's the temple that we're talking about in Ezekiel. He he literally had that vision. When you when you go back and study it, you'll see that, that God took him and began to reveal to him the sin of the nation had become so great. When When Israel or Judah was taken captive, by Nebuchadnezzar, it was done in three increments. Uh, Ezekiel was either uh, was more than likely taken in the first captivity, and and the third captivity uh, would would completely decimate the city, and Solomon's temple would be burnt to the ground by the forces of Nebuchadnezzar. But before that happened, the temple could never be destroyed as long as the presence of God remained in it. As bad as it had been, it's where the Shekinah glory would always appear in the Holy of Holies. At one time, when Solomon dedicated that temple, if you remember, I think you can find that, uh, where is that, First Kings or Second Kings, chapter 8, somewhere in there, where the glory of God came down when Solomon dedicated the temple. And it said that the glory of God was so, so powerfully manifested that the, even the priests couldn't stand to minister. And so this, this temple that Solomon built could never be destroyed as long as the presence of God was there. But because of their sin uh, and, and, the, and the subsequent captivity that took place, uh, what Ezekiel sees just before the temple is about to be destroyed is that God removes his presence systematically from the Holy of Holies to the holy place to the outer court. And then he finally leaves the temple and he comes to rest on the Mount of Olives. Well, that's exactly what Jesus did. He left the temple finally, you know, after ministering to the nation for three and a half years, right? And they rejected it. And then read to us, Brother uh, Jeremy, in verse 23. I mean, of chapter 23, verse 38 and 39. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, ye shall not see me henceforth, till ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Yes. So he leaves, right? He says, your house is left to you desolate. As long as Christ was ministering in that temple, nothing could happen. As long as the nation still had the opportunity to accept him as their Messiah, nothing could happen to it. But once Jesus removed himself publicly declaring that it was now left empty, what he was in essence saying is what, is what Ezekiel revealed happened in his time. And what he saw is that the presence of God has now been completely removed from you. 
in your house is left desolate, absolutely empty without the presence of God. And just like in the destruction of the first temple, what Ezekiel saw was the presence of God went and came to sit on the Mount of Olives. Jesus does the same thing. He leaves the temple, the second temple now. This is Herod's temple, Zerubbabel's temple. He comes and he comes to sit on the Mount of Olives. It was very, very much a way of God saying, judgment has now come to your nation. You just don't know it. <laughs> right? It's just powerful. It you is. know, um, in reference to what you're saying, uh, like what Ezekiel seems to be saying is that almost systematically, uh, the presence of God, right, the glory of God began to depart from the temple, right? Yes. We are, we're also making a connection here with what he said in chapter 24, verse 2, when he speaks about Titus, uh, when he speaks about the stones, right? Uh, yes. The temple falling, and that happened in 70 AD. And what's pretty interesting, uh, I was seeing um, the Encyclopedia Britannica concerning the fall of Jerusalem. It's interesting that in April of 70, at the time of Passover, it is when uh, Jerusalem was besieged, right? Yeah. And, and it coincided with Passover. And we know that around that time is when this coronavirus came to <laughs> besiege literally our nation. Yeah. Right, if I'm correct. And then right. we saw a, a systematic, the Romans uh, beginning to deplete food and water within the next months, right? Yeah. From from the people that were there, we've seen that in our in our story, right? I've been sometimes yeah. to a store where there is no water, where all the meat is gone. And little by little, there's a depletion of that. All the way, and this, this is pretty interesting, my brothers, in August of 70 is when they say that the temple was destroyed. The second temple was destroyed. And I think that's very right. interesting because we and I'm not saying that it's going to happen in August, but I, I think it's it's very symbolic that we're speaking. We're in August. We're speaking <laughs> about the destruction of the temple, right? I don't think it's by right. coincidence. But now, now you're getting is... <laughs> yeah. Now you're getting ahead, really, now you're getting really deep on us, brother. There, that's 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 really cool. No, that's I'll, a really I'll leave it there, Red, but yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's no, no, you just drop the bomb and leave. That's that's how you are, brother. You just drop bombs. <laughs> No, seriously, that's yeah. a really good thing to point out there. I'd like you to, you know, really explore that, you know, so that you can bring that forth in 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 in, in a deeper uh, way to us. Amen. God yeah. is really showing you that uh, because the pattern holds. If that's the case, what you just said, uh, if that's the case, based on what we're talking about, the presence of God leaving the temple and then ultimately leaving the nation, uh, and then you correlated that with 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 the destruction of the temple of say, 70 A.D. and looked at how that actually happened. And so you said that the, the actual besieging of the temple in Jerusalem began to occur at the Passover season. And you just said yeah. that it, it's interesting that, that the shutdown that came, came around the same time, right, for our nation, because you're trying to accelerate it to our time and apply it and say, you know, we're looking at maybe the same kind of thing happening to us. You know, God is right. the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? And he speaks in these right. ways. And so we have to pay attention to that. And and uh, and you're right. When you talk about the temple being destroyed in August, yeah, that's the famous uh, the 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 ninth of of, of Elul or or the ninth of Av. They call it. Uh, it's the it's the saddest day in uh, in, in Jewish history because yeah. believe it or not, <laughs> the first temple and the second temple were both destroyed on the same day, centuries wow. apart. 
you know, the wow. same exact day. And, and so it's, it's become a day where they fast and pray and weep over it. But that's really powerful. And then you talked about then going into uh, shortages, right? They, they began to, yeah, so to try and food, food and, and water. water. Yeah. And then you talked about August being the, the day, the 9th of Av, actually, when they actually destroyed it and burnt it to the ground. That's really scary stuff, right? Because whether we're not saying we're not naming dates, but the pattern of what we're seeing. Uh, America, uh, it quite possibly could be uh, in that realm right now. The the the, the symbolic yeah. shutting of the doors, right, of the churches. Yeah, I don't think we've yeah. really fully understood just how, uh, you know, incredible uh, the the symbolism of it is. People of the spirit recognize these things. Uh, the, the, you know, the churches haven't been shut down. Remember how it all started. We're going to do this for 14 days, right? That's what they told right. us, right? It's only yeah. for 14 days. <laughs> now we're going to open up a, in Passover. Yeah. You know, in a right. glorious, we're going to have our glorious services, a resurrection oh, Sunday. We'll be back in our churches, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. How'd that it, work you remember, you remember, You remember what Jeremiah said in the Book of Lamentations concerning mm-hmm. Jerusalem, and I liken it to what's taking place with our churches across America. He said, the kings of the earth and all the inhabitants of the world, the world would not have believed that the adversary and the enemy should have entered into the gates of Jerusalem. My God. Right. Think about that. We have this system legislating what takes place in our churches now. They've entered the gates, they've entered the door, so to speak. Right? It's incredible. Yes. Why? And it says there why because of the sins of her prophets and the iniquities of her priests that have shed the blood of the just in the midst of her. So this is exactly what what, what we're seeing, right? It, it is like like the destruction of Jerusalem in AD seventy in type and shadow. Uh, we're seeing the deconstruction of 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 this nation and its moral values. It, it, you see the shutdown of the churches taking place, right? It, it, if you have eyes to see. You know, it's happening right. before our very own eyes. Uh, yeah, that's um, exactly right. And think uh, about that, because because uh, we have seen the the symbolic gesture of uh, of the doors of the church being shut. It is as if God says, "Your house is left to you desolate." You know, I've removed my presence. But remember, it wasn't until after Jesus had extended the hands of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to His nation for three and a half solid years you know, trying to get them to turn to him and, and to return to him. And and over that time, and they, they refused. They, they But they still wanted to maintain their religious uh, structure, right? They still wanted to be, uh, you know, the ruling religious elite. And they wanted to, and they did so with such craft as to... Uh, to maintain their position unified with with political Rome, <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah. But when it came to but when it really came to God extending His hand and 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 saying, "Will you come unto me, all ye that are, you know, that labor, and I will give you rest, so forth and so on," uh, they rejected that. They didn't want anything to do with that, and they killed him. You know, they ended up killing him. And what Jesus is going to go on to say here in Matthew twenty four is they're going to do it again. They're going to turn. 
right? Yes, right? Many shall be offended and, and, and you'll be hated because of me. That's what he said. His, their own brothers is what he's talking about. They're, those that were supposed to be their brothers are going to turn on you because it, right. they're going to be part. They're going to be part of the sanctioned church. So it's interesting. He begins. Go ahead, brother. I just wanted to, to say one more last thing, if I if I may, about after the destruction of the second temple, as you said, brother Marty, this is one of the saddest days uh, for Jews, right? But yes. what happened is that while this destruction happened and the Jews were mourning, guess what Rome did? They celebrated, you know, the, the fall of Jerusalem and, and the temple and all that by erecting, uh, by, by erecting a monumental structure. I don't know what other word to use to honor and and comm- yes. uh, commemorate a significant event, which was done in on, on, in in honor of Titus. Yes. So, and what I want to say is that if this is more than okay. Our churches are closed. Well, then we can meet at home. No, it's going to be um, how do you say? It? What's the word I want to use? Instead of our churches, something else is going to come. Uh, what's the lack of word? That you're I'm you're right. right you're now. right on right there, brother. You're right on right there because that's exactly what happened. You see what what yes. the Romans did was they went and they set up uh, an image in the temple yes. itself. They they created an entire new temple. And and they worshipped, uh, I believe it was Zeus, you know, a type of the Antichrist. Uh, they wow. went instead, of, and see, this was a prefigure of, of yes. what the Book of Revelation reveals will, will be global. You know, uh, that that's where it ended up to. So it happened in the first century. It's going to happen again, only on a global scale, and and that's what happened. Which I'm glad you brought that up because because let's let's just throw the you know the the question out there is that what this is leading to yes are we in our so. time yeah are we are we headed to this coming lawless one this this antichrist figure the son of perdition call him what you want uh but but will will what will now emerge be be merged with this image the beast thing that we've been talking about in the book of Revelation, so forth and so on. It happened in Jerusalem. It's going to happen again. Incredible. Yes. Absolutely incredible. Um, <laughs> let's see here. So he's on the Mount of Olives. The presence has literally left the temple again, right? Just like it did in the first time that the temple was destroyed in Ezekiel's day, hundreds of years later. It happened again. Five hundred years later, six hundred years later, it happened again. Um, Jesus withdraws himself, the Son of the Living God, from the second temple that they built after the captivity, and now he comes to rest on the Mount of Olives and begins to predict its destruction. See, that's that's what happened. That's the same pattern that happened in Ezekiel's day. The presence left, came to rest on the Mount of Olives. And, and Ezekiel predicted the ultimate destruction of Jerusalem, which is actually what happened. It was burned to the ground. Jesus is replaying the same thing. And and he's he's coming at us from, from the book of Isaiah, like we started, you know, like we quoted earlier, 64, 10, and 11, verse 10 and 11, where he talks about the city being burnt with fire and Jerusalem and the house being absolutely destroyed. That's what happened. And now the disciples come and he's revealing this to them. This is the age in which they're living in. And then he begins to unfold to us because 
these are the questions, right? The sign of your coming and the end of the world. And so we can take what's about to be said here and extrapolate it all the way out to the end of the world. The, the, the termination, which we know as, as his saints, will be his second coming. So this brings us to verse 4, Matthew 24, verse 4, because just before he begins to unfold everything he's about to say, the very first thing he says is what, Brother Jeremy? Take heed that no man deceive you. That's really incredible to me because he it's alerting us. He's admonishing us. Because it implies that what the Lord is about to reveal prophetically to his children here uh, reveals that it will be twisted and can become a point of deception. That men will deceive other men in in the context of what he's about to reveal prophetically. Right. He says you need you need to re- you need to really take care that that you don't allow someone to to deceive you in what I'm about to tell you. Isn't that incredible? <laughs> it is. It, right? It's incredible because that's what's happening in, in, in this hour. Yeah. Many are extracting from Matthew, from these verses, and really being a detriment uh, to the body of Christ, you know, uh, and, and that's a nice word that I'm using. There's a there's probably a harsher word that I can use, but and, and now there's so much confusion you know what I mean? Because they've taken the words of Jesus yeah. and adapted it to their own, right? Whatever, their own, uh, their own doctrine, theology, their own doctrine. Yeah. Right? You're, you're right. That's yeah. a very good point that you bring out, Brother Marty. And so that's how he sets the tone. He says, be very careful, take heed, because what I'm about to tell you, he says, will become a point of deception. And, and that word deception is really interesting because it means to roam from safety, to roam away from truth, or to be seduced or led away from what I'm about to tell you, what I'm about to reveal to you. It's really interesting because as he sets out that phrase, now be very careful, my disciples, what I'm about to tell you, you need to first, before you hear what I'm going to tell you, set the Set the uh, you know the tone of your thoughts <laughs> to anchor yourself and be wary that there's coming those that are going to try and lead you away from what I have plainly said is going to happen. And then it goes right into verse five, which reminds us of our time now. Why verse five, Jeremy? For many shall come in my name, saying, "I am Christ," and shall deceive many. Now, there's two ways to look at what he said there, but if you take it in context with what the rest of it's going on, he's not talking about, you know, even though this is the case, there's been, you know, people like Jim Jones and, you know, down through the ages, you know, the guys who claim to be the Messiah or whatever. That's not what he's saying, though, here. I don't believe. Uh, because when you break down these words, he's really trying to say that he's they're going to use the fact that, uh, you'll notice what he says, they're going to come in his name. Right? So that's what you were just talking about, Brother Jeremy. So the deceivers are going to come and, and they're going to come in his name. They're not going to come like Hare Krishnas or, you know, Buddhists or Confucius or Islamists, you know, none of this. 
He says, they're going to come in my name. And and what they're going to claim is is I am Christ. And, and what that literally means is that I'm anointed. So what he's literally saying is they're going to come in my name and claim that they're anointed. And because of their anointing or claim to the anointing, they're going to lead many people astray in the midst of this unfolding and these unfolding events in the end of time. Incredible, right? Yes. <laughs> that's, that's literally what it means. I am anointed. And what that made me think about in verse 5 is what we've actually seen. We've seen the rise of this hyper-pseudo, you know, charismatic, Pentecostal, anointed, we're all anointed, right? We're all prophets. You know, that's where they're at. That's where they are today. They claim to have the anointing, and they're deceiving many. Any thoughts? Yeah, you couldn't said anything more clear and more <laughs> relevant to what's taking place today, brother. And that's what deceives the people, right? Yeah, I'm yeah. anointed, right? Because because that's what that's what you're saying. Christ, Christ. That's the meaning. That's what Christ means. Anointed one. Yes. So, I mean, we, we couldn't be any closer. This is more uh, truer today than ever before. Uh, right. What is taking place? Amen. So, so he draws their attention first before he begins to to unveil what is going to be the conditions of the culture and the time, because he goes on to talk about wars and rumors of wars and all that kind of stuff. He wants us first to understand before any of that's revealed that the most important thing that you need to, to, to pay attention to as a trigger and as a signpost to you that you've entered these days is there's going to be many that come with my label <laughs> saying they belong to me and they're going to claim to have anointing and they're going to claim to be these anointed ones. But at the heart of it is, is, is the spirit of the enemy and it's going to lead many astray from the plain understanding of what I'm about to unveil to you will be the very things that should alert you that the end of time is at hand. Incredible. Because <laughs> like you said, brother, that's what we're seeing, right? That's what we're seeing very clearly. So so read to us well, verse 6 and 7. Go ahead, brother. Yes, I just wanted to say this is very interesting because you, you've been quoting uh, a lot of uh, from this verse in First John chapter 3 where you say, but ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye yeah. know all things. In other words, that you don't have to look to men, right? Because that's what yeah. people are going to be doing. That's for looking unto men, because he says he's anointed, or look what he does. But, you know, I just wanted to link what you're saying with a verse that you've been, uh, uh, we've been quoting from, brother, in First John, about that ye have an unction yeah. from the Holy One, and ye know all things. So, and that's a really interesting right. thing because even when John wrote that in, in First John chapter two, I think you're quoting from twenty six, twenty seven, somewhere in there, two twenty seven, two twenty six. John wrote that letter uh, specifically because there were those who were coming in that were so hyper spiritual, and they were twisting yeah. the scriptures, right? And and they were yeah. imposing their 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 charismatic giftings that they had on on the sheep of God, the little children, as as he called them. You know the the, yeah. the the ones that were that were uh, you know the church of the Lord, 
and they they presented themselves to this innocent church as people that that had special anointing, special gifting, special insight, and so it began to cause them to to uh, to question the very things that they knew to be solid in their lives. And that's when the great apostle steps in, right? And the great apostle steps in and says, "Now wait a minute, you know these these are antichrists. These are these are being they're they're being moved by the spirit of the wicked one." And then he tells them, "You don't have a need." the anointing of the Holy Spirit will be your witness, right? He'll be your guide. He'll be your instructor. You stay away from these kinds of people. That's what he goes on to say, right? Now, where do you you think he got that idea from? (laughs) He got it from Jesus, right? That's right. (laughs) Amen. That's right. He said, said, don't let no one seduce you. That's what he tells him. And that's what he tells him. You need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you teaching you of all things in his truth. In essence, he's speaking about Christ. Jesus. That's exactly what he's who talking about. Him. And if no exactly lie, right. and, even, and even as he, as it had taught you, you shall abide in him. Right? So, yeah. yeah that, that's powerful. And and you're exactly right. He's talking about Jesus. Because that's what Jesus said, right? Uh, in, in, in John 15, where he wrote and, and said, uh, abide in me. Right, and my words abide in you. That's what he said. Yes. Because apart yes. from me, you can do nothing. So here's it's so interesting, you know. And we've taken a lot of time to this point, but it's very, very interesting what what the Lord says and what as He begins to then unfold to them our times. Really, it's what He's talking about because He's answering the question: the, the signs and the end of the world. Uh, we're seeing these things now. The very first thing he wanted us to understand before he got into the nuts and bolts of it was that be very careful because there's going to come people who uh, who carry the moniker of Christianity, my name, and they'll claim to be anointed. I am anointed or I am Christ, as the King James puts it there. But really, uh, it's the spirit of the enemy moving through them. It's a false light. Remember what Paul talked about? Don't be... You know, don't be confused or anything. He says because the devil himself has the ability to transform himself into an angel of light, right? So right. Uh, these are false anointings. These are false Christs. These are false anointed ones, and it's designed to interject doubt and deception, precisely when you need clarity and 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 solid, true foundation and understanding. They're they're interjected almost like a counterbalance. It's like counterintelligence almost. So then we go into verse 6 and 7. Can you read that real quick, Brother Jeremy? And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. In verse 8. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Incredible. So he starts out by, you know, warning us, don't be deceived when these things begin to happen. Uh, he says, because you're going to hear about wars and rumors of wars, which, you know, we, we, we can go into that at length. But he wants us to understand the end is not yet. I mean, the world is, is all at war right now. I mean, it's been at war for a century, really. You know, and 9-11 kicked it into another uh, another level, too. You know, we've been at war since then at a different level. But but then he draws their attention in verse 7 to, to something very interesting. 
which begins to now even more sound like our times, right? He says that nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. So the first thing he begins to put out there is very interesting because the word uh, that he uses there, nation shall rise against nation, it, 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 it's the word uh, uh, ethnicity or tribes or races. Ethnos. Right? Ethnos, Ethnos, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So, <laughs> so he, in verse 8, he says when you begin to see these things, it's the beginning of sorrows. Now, just remember that, because the word beginning of sorrows, uh, it literally means the birth of something or the labor pains of something. Something's about to be born. Something new is about to happen. And he says the triggering event to begin to watch for it is the rise of all these false anointed prophets that claim to be me. They come in my name. Uh, You're going to see a turbulent military style you know, fluidity breaking place on the planet, wars and rumors of wars. But then he transitions into verse 7 and talks about nation versus nation. He's talking about ethnic races against ethnic races. That's what he's talking about, ethnos. He's talking about uh, there will there'll become racial division. <laughs> mm. Wow. Everything's going to get tribal is what he's saying. You're gonna have you're gonna have Black Lives Matter marching down your streets. That's what he's saying. Isn't that what it's the heart of what we're seeing exactly. taking place around the world, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's all about race, so they say, right? It's all about we've seen we've seen such a rise of this. That's what he's talking about. And what's interesting is then he goes on to kingdom versus kingdom, right? And when you get into those those basic words there, uh it, it, it speaks about border disputes. That's literally what that means. It's border dispute. <laughs> he's, he's saying they're going to want to build a wall, man. No, I'm <laughs> I was thinking about this because, like, wow, you know, he said he said the thing to watch for, my disciples, is this is this uh, this racial division, this racial tension. He's saying that when this begins to happen, coupled with uh, you know, border disputes, so to speak, amongst territories and, and, and nations, which we've been seeing, uh, you know, uh, in our time. He says, let, you know, understand when you see that first, and then you begin to see famine and pestilence. Do you know what pestilence is? <laughs> it's COVID-19, right? I mean, it's, 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 right. it's SARS-2. It's it's Ebola. It's it's all the stuff we've been seeing, and now the coronavirus, right? I mean, it's it's all of it. But he says when it's happening simultaneously, uh, understand that something new is about to be born, the beginning of sorrows. Oh my gosh, we've been going an hour and and we're just getting to it, right? <laughs> That's right. So, so this is where we are. What's interesting when you let's reflect on this when he talks about nation against nation, he's talking about what we're witnessing right now in our streets. We're talking about uh, racial tensions have broken out all over the world, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> well, we have Japan and China, Japan and China, you know, Russia. Uh, going into other places, uh, so yeah, race, race, yeah, these tensions are everywhere, everywhere yeah. that we look right now. 
And it, it's it's right. all on the right. It's my race against your race. It's, it's the blacks against the whites. It's the Chinese against the jet. Whatever you want to call it. It's the natives against America. Did you see the other day in Oklahoma? The, the Supreme Court voted to give back half of Oklahoma to the to the Native Americans. You're talking about border disputes there. You know, you're talking about racial tension there. How'd you like to be living on the other side of the line? Who's going to take care of you? The government of the United States or the new Native American state within a state? I mean, this is crazy stuff going on. Well, we could talk at length about the the wall, uh, you know, um, with Mexico, or we could talk about the redefining of 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 of, uh, of 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 nation state lines when you go into Europe and 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 all that's going on there, or in Africa. I mean, this is happening right now. But the one thing that really stood out to me, besides all that, because we could talk about it and lay a, a proof text case for it, is this nation against nation. Jesus called it two thousand years ago. He said, when you begin to see racial divisions, ethnos, like you said, brother Fernando, uh, rise. Let it be a trigger to you to know that it's the beginning of birth pangs. Something's being born. So what we see happening right now in our streets and, and the turmoil and, 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 and the chaos and all this, Jesus says this is the beginning of sorrows. And when you throw in some famine, we're not hearing much about that right now, but over 5 million people are starving in Africa right now as a result of this coronavirus, which is the next thing on his list, which is pestilence. Pestilences are incurable diseases. That's what that means. It's incurable diseases or plagues, right? How many times have you heard the president of our country call it a plague? I mean, people are calling it plagues and, and, and viruses or whatever, but Jesus said all of these things in verse 7 at the same time are are trying to alert you to the fact that something's about to be born. A new age is about to dawn. And out of it... Go ahead. That's good. Yeah. You got something to say? Anybody else? Because out of this, what what's triggered out of it is verse 9. What's verse 9, brother? It says, uh, Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. The, the, the actual uh, racial strife and division is going to give birth to something, he says. And what it's going to give birth to is the persecution of the church of Jesus Christ all over the world. And that's what we see. Has anyone uh, actually read the platform of, uh, of BLM, Black Lives Matter? Have, You'll yeah. see, right? <laughs> Well, their stated thing in there, one of the things that they hate is is is, uh, is Christianity. They want to eliminate right. it. Right. Weren't you just talking about this the other day, Brother Jeremy? Uh, you said you read that. Was that yesterday where you read that article? What happened in Portland right after midnight? Can you tell us? Oh, yeah. The atmosphere changed. And, yeah. and they began to burn. Uh, that's what the, that's actually, that's how the way they wrote it. The atmosphere changed. At midnight, about 1230, they began to burn Bibles. And in this Black Lives Matters manifesto, it's, it's also destroying the nucleus of the family. Right. Right? They wanna, yeah, they wanna, yes, they want to eliminate fathers and mothers. They want to eliminate yeah. family. And, and everything, 
right? But notice how Jesus gives us, and what's interesting, remember what we started saying, he said, take heed that no man deceive you, verse 5, he says, there's going to come people with the Christian label on their lives, and then they're going to say, I'm anointed, and they're going to use that pretext to having an anointing to deceive. Brother Jeremy, weren't you just saying the other day that what we've been seeing as as we've risen into these racial tensions that have broken all, uh, all over the world, you know, and, and in our country, is, uh, we were seeing it at, at an extreme level as, as well, uh, that that <laughs> that that you saw preachers on TV uh, trying to support these 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 antichrist marchers, right? Oh yes, yeah, they came out. Yes, uh, many of these mainstream preachers uh, going out, but it's actually backfired on them. <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, trying to appease. Uh, talking about racial tensions, too, at the beginning, right before we started the podcast, you mentioned an article, Brother Marty, about the Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, who is not coming out of his home. He has, what, Antifa people in, in front of his house yeah. threatening to kill him? Think about Amongst it. You know, others, talking about yes. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. And it is crazy. And and we saw how they came marching up to the White House a few weeks back, right? They burned down, tried to burn down St. John's Church there in D.C. I mean, this is happening. Yes. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And you'll be hated of all ethnicities or races for my name's sake. He mm-hmm. begins to talk about these triggering events. He says, when you begin to see pestilence, famines, earthquakes, in different places, and I don't got time to get into all the earthquake statistics, but just go do a research and, and look at earthquakes from 2010 to 2020 and see if, if these things haven't been happening. And now they're happening simultaneously. And then and when you talk about famines and pestilence, earthquakes, coupled with racial tensions, races fighting against or racial things being the issue, and borders, border lines and dominions and, and contestation over all that, which we've been seeing, verse 8, he says, understand that this is like a pregnant woman, the beginning of sorrows, when you break down the words there, this is like a pregnant woman about to give birth to something different. Something new is about to be born. That's what he's saying. This is the beginning of sorrows. This is the labor pains. Something's being birthed, and it gives way to verse 9, it, 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 which is the persecution of the church. That's what what he's warning about. And he started out by saying beware of those who come and claim to be anointed because they're going to try and deceive you and say that none of this matters and none of this is relevant and none of it's connected. <laughs> but it is. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Right? Mm. It's bringing, it's bringing this, this abomination, the, the son of perdition, is behind all of these movements around the world, whether it be social justice, equality. I mean, come on now. You can't legislate equality. That's a heart condition. That's the person's decision to be equal. Right? Yes. Mm. It, it, all it does is affirm the fact that man can't do it. And so you have to legislate it. You have to control it. You have to make it law. No, that, to be to be good to somebody is a decision of the heart. But man is incapable of doing that without Christ. Yes. But now the system yes. is taking over it. Right? Again, mm. it's, it's, it, it, all this is... It's, is being uh, helped and aided and abetted, abetted by the spirit of the age, right? Yes. I mean, the yes. word, again, the word ethnicity, ethnos, is where we get the word ethnicity from, in, in ethnos in the Greek and the English, ethnicity. But, you know, what's being 
dragged behind it is this abominable sin of, of homosexuality, right? Yes. But it, but it's yes. all it's all you know behind the scenes because they're they've been trying for the longest time now to to make this great sin of, of homosexuality a civil rights movement, right? Yes. I mean, go look at the Black Lives Matter uh, about their about page. What does it say? It says that we are from the lives of black queers. That's the first thing it says. Right. The first thing it says. So, you know, it's, it's, it's what we're talking about. It's now entered into the church. So these yeah. preachers, when they are making themselves social justice warriors, they have no idea what they are really promoting. Right. Right. They have no idea what's behind the scenes because it's the spirit of the age that is subvertly has uh, uh, crept in unawares into the church, and now the preachers are preaching this political message that they think they're doing good for for the community, but in the but the truth is they they are compromising, and this is a serious thing, serious thing that's going on. It is, and and I think that's why the Lord pointed out uh, right at the right at the start, right, that they're going to come in my name. Uh, pretending to carry an anointing, but but they're going to be the the, the problem. <laughs> they're, they're they're the biggest yeah, problem right. in the whole in the whole thing. Uh, because and, and and again, I want to emphasize verse eight again because we have to understand what he's saying. He says, when the conditions on the planet are such, when you begin to see the rise of racial tension, and that's been the pretext for where we are in 2020, is it not? That is what we were witnessing yes. around the Western world. It, it, mm-hmm. Are these marches? These bur- <laughs> I, I I saw what was it? A hundred thousand people in London marched up to the U.S. embassy and they were burning stuff and yelling and screaming. And 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 it was all because of George Floyd. I think. Are you serious? I mean, what, why are you marching for George Floyd in London? Uh, you, he's from <laughs> Minnesota. <laughs> right? This has got to be right. deeper than George Floyd, man. This is so different than George Floyd. What are, what are they, did you see the film of the precious little girl who came out of her, her apartment in New York and the Black Lives Matter person made her get down on her knees and apologize for being white? Did you wow. see that film? Incredible. Yeah, yeah. and she did yeah. it. She did it. She, they're making them kneel. What are you saying, Brother Marty? I'm saying that's what Jesus said would happen. The whole pretext is racial and ethnic, but the spirit behind it is antichrist. And Jesus said right. when you begin to see these things coupled with, with natural disasters, sicknesses and diseases and famines all happening at the same time, verse 8, something new is being born. And what's going to come out of that birth process is, is a ferocious attempt to, uh, to afflict and to persecute the church globally. That's what he says. That's exactly it. Right. Right? And that's what we're seeing, Brother Jeremy. That's why I had you share that little story. They 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 burn the American flag, they burn the Bibles. In this country that claims in God we trust, right? We're seeing mm. it. We're seeing exactly what the master said. But let us not forget how we got to these verses. It began by him him being rejected by the religious establishment. They didn't want the manifestation of God. They had, they had created such a system 
that is the Jude- the Jews of that that day, which represents the the, the religious structure of our day, because that's what we're trying to show you is it parallels, and we're actually living in it, is that when the religious system that claimed uh, to be the representatives of God, when God came and manifested Himself in the presence of His only begotten Son, they didn't want that God. They like things just the way they are. And and so they rejected him, and he left them and, right. and prophesied that the whole thing was going to come down, which it did. <laughs> so the first thing that happens is the temple itself is shut or access to it. And then he begins to unfold the last days. I think we're seeing the right. same thing just like Brother Jeremy said, and, and, and I think that's what we're seeing here. So so the verse 8, these things we've been talking about, again, verse 7 seems to be indicating racial strife, racial division, the blurring of, of, of nation-state lines, border disputes, all this stuff coupled with famines and, and coronavirus-like plagues and, and, and earthquakes in different places. Go do your research on earthquakes. It would be very fascinating for you. All of these are happening simultaneously. Jesus says, when that generation sees that, you guys, because he's talking about the end of the world and the sign of his coming, he says it's a birth process that's going to give way to a full-fledged persecution that will come down upon my children. And and then he says, uh, because of this, he says in verse 10, that many shall be offended and shall betray one another and will hate one another. Isn't this is what we're seeing right now? Out of this, you were just talking about, Brother Jeremy, the different preachers, how it's turning on them and, you know, all this stuff, people trying to be culturally relevant and trying to jump up into it and trying to preserve themselves. What are they doing? The word offended means to be entrapped, to be entrapped or to stumble, to apostatize. This offense is really, Jesus is revealing a spirit is going to break out. That that is going to lead to a falling away, right? Right. That, that's and, why it's so symbolic. That, that's why. Sorry, brother Marty, to, to cut you no, off. No, go ahead. That's why it's, it, it's so symbolic. You know how how chapter twenty four begins, which you pointed out. It begins by telling us that Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and we see the disciples in verse two almost trying like to convince them, like, "Where are you going?" You know, what? why are you leaving this temple? That's exactly what's taking place today. It's a picture yeah. of, of what God is calling us to depart, you know, from that religion, from that system. And and many are fighting. Maybe there's a listener. You, 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 you're understanding. You're hearing what we're saying. And there's that fighting you. You know what I mean? You're thinking, oh, yeah. things are going to go back to normal. Let's go back to church and things. God is going to send revival so, so I think it's very symbolic that we see Jesus at the beginning of chapter 24. He is he went out and he departed from the temple. And if Jesus is not in the temple, there's no glory. There's nothing. <laughs> there's nothing there in our churches if he's not in there. If he's not there. That's right. Absolutely right. And then this gives. And then what appears right in the midst of this chaos again. He goes back to false prophets, right? In verse 11. Can you read that, Brother Jeremy? And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. You think he's trying to get our attention? <laughs> with, 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 each, with each unfolding 
you know, incident, uh, he then interjects how many more false prophets come. First, they start off as just saying that I represent Jesus and I'm an anointed person. I know I, I know what's going on. But now up in the heart of it, he says, here comes the prophets, the so-called prophets, right? And, 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 and a new level. He says the word rise means to appear in the public square. So it speaks of a national influence. It's not some little guy off in, in some, you know, backwoods church in Kentucky. <laughs> He's talking about national and international influence arising, false prophets arising to deceive many. Because what we see taking place here in verse 9 and 10 is is a deconstruction and a chaos that is the result of what was birthed out of what began as as nation rising against nation, ethnic strife, and 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 famines and and plagues and viruses that that it, it it births something it's really interesting and we don't got time to go into it but you're talking about multi-dimensional openings of of a new thing that gives rise to a persecution of God's people out of it so you're talking about open doors being connected dark doors that allow evil to come in being connected both with national uh, with natural disasters with 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 viruses, plagues, pestilences, we're talking about spirits here, and 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 the like, right? So uh, it, it sets in tone, verse nine and ten, right? We now got chaos. We got we got persecution, and then we have division, verse ten. The devil always works in the midst of chaos and confusion. That's who he is, right? The more chaotic it gets, the more he furthers along his agenda. And that's what we see happening here. And then we come to verse 12, uh, because iniquity shall abound. Now, understand, it's it's tied to the false prophets, right? Because verse 11, the false prophets appear, and then now we have iniquity abounding. What does that tell us about the messages that they're preaching? Right? <laughs> It's very interesting because we've 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 gone kind of long today, but but let's just quickly, you know, uh, we'll revisit it in the future because there's so much more here. But we got false prophets uh, coming into the public square, deceiving many, and then it says, "Because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold." That's what you were talking about earlier, brother Jeremy. That love, and, and what you just mentioned, brother Fernando, in in the platform of, of the protest group we were talking about there. Uh, it, it means the deconstruction of social or moral love. It, it, it's the removing or the attaching of pure love to morality, and that morality is removed. So that's what he's talking about. That that the natural affection that we have by reason of the Spirit of God within the heart of man is going to be completely removed from the ungodly. And And, and when he talks about a waxing cold. That's what he's talking about. It, it's almost like a beast-like uh, animal passion begins to grip society so that the norms, the social norms, the love for social norm and constraint is removed. The love, of the morality of love in, in the established uh, natural order of things as God set it in motion will be removed. And it will it will give way to a hardened cold type of existence which is there is no constraint there is no 
<laughs> there's no there's no adherence to anything, right? It's like every man does what's right in his own sight, like you talked about, Brother Jeremy. Right. It increases, it abounds. That's what we're seeing. We could dig deeper and deeper into this, but we won't. We gotta we gotta wrap this up. But look, but verse thirteen, can you read verse thirteen, brother? Yes. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. So he throws in the endurance component. He's letting us know that these times that we're living in right now, because that's what he's talking about. He's talking about the end of the world. He says it's going to require endurance from the, from the children of God. And then the word endurance means to hold fast to your faith and to bear the trials and to persevere. It's for a short time. And and he goes on to reveal all that. It's it's it's, it's a brief period of time. But but it but it's intense nonetheless, and it's going to re- require that we hold fast to our faith. Everything that we have known in orthodoxy, a fancy word, you know, the established norms of the gospel. He said, you're going to have to to bear up and and lay hold of the word of God and hold to it, because already just in a matter of let's see, he started in verse four. Uh, but t- <laughs> in just seven verses, he's already mentioned deceivers and false anointed ones twice, three times, right? Let no man deceive you. And then in the verse five, there's coming those in my name that say they're anointed, they're going to deceive you. And then in verse in verse uh, 11, again, there here comes the false prophets to deceive. All of it is designed to remove from us what we have always been anchored to in our understanding about what the gospel really is. And he says, he that endures to the end shall be saved. And that word saved is encouraging because he says, in the midst of this, if you hold to and persevere and bear up underneath the trials and and latch hold of what you know to be true in the word of God, you'll be saved. It's not only talking about saved when he comes back, but it it seems to also be implying uh, to be delivered or protected in these times. In these times, because remember, he's going to go on and then start talking about the abomination of desolation and all that, right? But 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 that that's the last three and a half years of human history that he transitions into coming out of this that we've been talking about. So it's quite conceivable that the things that we have begun to see already in our times, we know what it's leading to. However long that is, whether it's, it's a few years, a decade or so, I don't know. I, I'm not a date setter. We're not date setters, but we are not uh, ignorant of the times and the seasons. We don't know the day or the hour, but we do know because uh, Peter told us, like we started out, right? You go back and study those prophets. You go back and study the commandments of the holy apostles. You look at the words of the Lord, and, and, and you apply them to your generations, you who will be living throughout the church history. Well, here we are, and we're actually quoting from Christ. And we're actually showing you what he said. And if you can't take what he said and put it into our times right now, then you're just blind. And you need to ask God to help you see. (laughs) But let's just take a look at this. So he says, he that shall endure unto the end shall be saved. So that's implying that those that are enduring during these times that he's describing will reach an end. That means that we're coming close to the end. 
and, and we'll be saved. We're going to be protected. We're going to be delivered. I'm telling you right now that even though these things have begun and they're going to get worse, and, and, I, and man, I, I get tired of saying that because I, I, I want to come and just give you a nice poem, you know, and talk to you about flowers and butterflies and stuff, but that ain't happening. <laughs> and we're going right. to have to stand, right? We're going to have to stand before God and give an account for what we said to you, our brothers and sisters out there. Yeah. And you're not going to be able on that day to say, man, Brother Marty, Brother Jerry, Brother Fernando, Brother Jeremiah, they didn't tell us. Oh, yes, we did, because that's what God is telling us. But in it, we find the great hope, these nuggets of promises, you shall be saved. If we walk with circumspect uh, minds and discerning hearts, we'll have a better chance than the rest of them of, of, of hearing so precisely from the Holy Spirit that we will be coming under this promise of the Lord, which is safety, protection, and deliverance in the midst of it all as we go through it. Listen to the voice of the Spirit. Listen to the voice of the Lord. And he that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. And then he concludes it with this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the, as a witness unto all the, the nations. Then shall the end come. The end isn't yet, but it, it's coming. And what is this gospel of the kingdom? It's twofold, right? It's the plain gospel that Jesus has always talked about, right? that he died on the cross for our sins, he was buried, he rose on the third day, and that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Uh, that That's the gospel. But he's also talking about the gospel of the kingdom. And and so he's saying, and I believe what he's also hinting at here, it, is, is it's, it's the message of what is coming. It's the message that is being preached, which is totally contrary counterize to everything that's being revealed is happening in the culture at this time. He says the true preachers are going to stand up and preach that the ultimate dominion belongs to God in the face of the love of many waxing cold, in the face of the offended ones and the betrayers and the persecutors. He says this aggressive message that the gospel of the kingdom is the one true message, and that is Jesus is coming, and he's going to implement the rule of God on this planet. When that goes out, which is what's already begun to happen throughout the whole world, he says that it's going to trigger the final events of the last 42 months of human history. Where we are in all of this, we don't know. But we do know that his word is true and that we have uh, a lighthouse that we can run to, right? <laughs> and we have his word, which works as a roadmap to navigate ourselves in these most perilous of times. So we said all that to say this, trust the Lord with all your heart and, 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 and follow the voice and the leading of his spirit. Stay in his word because these days obviously have begun. Any closing thoughts, brothers? Uh, this has been a very... Uh, I'm not going to say interesting because it's not something for that. It's very, very telling, you know, yeah. in the way that God has allowed us to glean into Matthew 24. It's not just Jesus giving some warnings. No, we learn about, you know, how he answered the questions, the actions he took, right? Departing from yeah. the temple, telling us symbolically and, and, and plainly, you know, and what you mentioned in the beginning, how he answered his disciples' 
privately first, right? And yeah. so, you know, it, it's, it's, it's almost like it's privileged information, you know, right? For those who are hungry, who are, who, who want to know, right? Yes. And uh, it, it's been very powerful. Uh, just what we've been able to glean in this hour and a half, it's uh, the things that he's saying, because it's so parallel to the days that we are living. Is it possible, church, that we have begun the tribulation or we're about to begin it? I don't know. You pray. You read the Bible. But I'm seeing it, that we are close. If we have not started, we are close to that. It's the beginning of sorrows. That's what the Bible says. But thank God, as you mentioned at the end, you spoke about that he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. What a hope. What a hope. He's telling us endure. Don't don't leave aside the things that have been taught to you, the things that you know. Don't let nobody fool you. So it, it's been an incredible uh, Bible study uh, and time in the Word that we have had. And we pray uh, that you, the listener, as we have been too, have been not just blessed. We pray that you've been blessed, but also that this will cause you uh, to draw closer to the Lord with your families as we head into these the next few weeks, next few months, things are happening. Let us draw closer more than ever before to our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray the Lord bless you. We pray the Lord keep you. And as always, keep looking up. <laughs>